Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and dressed in they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance by heavy stone. Messiah's here and all
Would you guys pray with me? God, we love you, and we're just sitting in that truth of knowing that your love for us is deep, it is wide, it is powerful. Um, and so as we continue on this morning, um, we've, we've just spent time singing to you. And, and now, God, we uh, continue to talk about you, make you the priority, Jesus, in this place. Um, God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And we ask all things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Say hello to those around you. We're glad you're here. excited about Jesus in the place this morning. Come on. Hey guys, we're glad you're here. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. A couple things I want to share with you. If you pass the friendship folders down the rows, we appreciate that. Ladies, I'm talking to you. Ladies, this is the last day to sign up for the fall retreat. And uh, we are looking forward to what God's going to do on that weekend. It is the 11th through the 13th of October at the beautiful Ligonier Camp and Conference Center. Ligonier, PA is a beautiful place in the fall. And so the fact that you're going to be there on that weekend for the retreat is fantastic. So talk to Rhonda. She's at the Welcome Center. You can also sign up on our website. You can check out more information there as well. But Rhonda's going to be waiting for you ladies at the Welcome Center. Okay. One more thing. Two more things, sorry. Wednesday nights have been rolling, and we've been having an awesome time on Wednesday nights. And so just a few things, men's and women's groups, children's ministry, student ministry. This week we will not have food, but 6.30 to 8 is when everything gets rolling. And what we're going to do is we're going to have an awesome time. We're going to break up the week. And so if you haven't been here, I encourage you to jump in. There's nothing special you have to do. Just show up, and we'll get you connected. And so that's Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8 here at Crossroads in uh, children's ministry all the way up through men's and women's group, student ministry. It's awesome, awesome. I love that day. It's good stuff. Trunk and treat. October, yeah, yeah, we get excited about trunk and treat. Yeah. So this is great, and there's three things I want to share with you. On October 30th, out in our parking lot, we are going to invite our community. We're going to invite our church. We're going to invite anybody who wants to show up, and it's going to be an awesome time. And I think this is such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ because we're going to have a party and then we're going to invite people to come hang out with us and give them a little bit of a picture of who Jesus is. And so a um, couple ways to jump into this. One, you can sign up. There's two different time slots, 6.30 to 7.30 and 7.30 to 8.30 so we can make it safe and everybody can have plenty of candy and that it's not you know trying to cram like 600 people through this line over here. So two time slots. You can sign up on our website. And we also are looking for people to bring their trunks and to decorate them. You're like, I'm not very creative. That's fine. Go to orientaltrading.com and you can literally buy a trunk kit. So there's no excuses for creativity. You just got to do it. So if you would go on our website, register your kids to come, register your friends to come. And then also if you would sign up to bring your trunk and decorate it. Um, there's more information about what you'll need to do and all that, so you can sign up on our website. It's going to be an awesome time, October 30th at 6.30 to 8.30 here in our parking lot. So I love that night. It's one of my favorite things we do here. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. Come on, guys. And uh, 
one of the things that I'm I'm so humbled about that we do here at Crossroads is this trunk and tree because it's just a simple way that we can just invite people. It's it's free, and there's going to be hot chocolate. We'll have hot dogs, and it's just an awesome time. And the, when the when you step back and you look at everything that's happening, it's just beautiful because our church body serves together, and we're watching people who we've never seen before, people we've seen a bunch come up, and we can just love well. We can love like Jesus would, hands and feet. So let's pray as we continue on this morning. And as we give, let's give with a cheerful heart, as Scripture tells us. And if you're new with us, today's number one. You've never been here before. I encourage you to just maybe maybe fill out a prayer card in front of you and put it in the offering plate. You're welcome to participate. It's for those who call this church their home, but you're welcome to participate. Let's give with that cheerful heart and let's uh, ask God to bless us um, as we continue on this morning. Jesus, we love you. And God, as we give now our finances, I pray that God, we would give with a cheerful heart as your word says, and that we would know that you're using um, these monies, God, you're using these finances uh, for your kingdom, that you're widening your kingdom, you're, you're bringing people to yourself, and we're so humbled as your church to be called to something greater than ourselves. And so, God, we, we've sung to you, and now we give to you, and then we're going to open up your word. God, would you move and encourage us, challenge us, and uh, we would walk away just, just closer to you as a result of our time this morning. We love you, Jesus, and we ask all things in your powerful name. day. Anybody survived that? Anybody had that storm last night? Were you around for that storm? We had Saturday night service. It was unbelievable. I like, I was hunkered down afterwards up here. Jim Watts was holding me. It was crazy. Yeah. It was, he's like, you're an adult now. Let's get moving here. But I thought it was kind of a wild storm last night. You guys are much happier when the sun shines. I just want you to know that. We're in the middle of a series, DNA. And before I jump into that, just also wanted to share with you our, uh, here at the church, we have a neighbor right next door here. His name was Grizz. Many of you know him, and he passed away this week, and our hearts are heavy for their family. And Liz, is, uh, they've been neighbors to this church for like 35 years. And uh, many of you probably got a golf cart ride off of Grizz after one of our events. He would, on Father's Day, he was shuttling people in here on our parking lot, and, and uh, he was just really endearing himself. Uh, in the recent days, we were real close. So there'll be a memorial service here on Saturday for for Grizz Widorski. So if you know him, uh, I'm sure you want to send your condolences to to his wife over there. Uh, what a great great right, great neighbor he was. Uh, today we're continuing with our series DNA. You know, as we look at DNA, you have to DNA is it, it, it's it's who you are. You know, you just see it, and DNA gets reproduced. 
That's why families look alike, because they have DNA. And as you look at each other, you say, wow, you know, there, there's that son. You, you can tell the son of the dad. You can tell mom or dad. You see a little bit of this. You see a little bit of that. And, you know, that's why when your baby's born, you say, oh, I see mom or I see dad and the baby, because there's DNA. And that DNA gets reproduced. And so the other thing that DNA does, it's, uh, for us as a church, our DNA is not so much what we look like, but it's what we do. It's like uh, th- this is how we operate. It's how we function here as a church. And so as we look at, the, at a, our, our DNA, we've been looking at several thoughts. We said that we're passionate about the great news. Our church has always been passionate about the great news. That is the number one message of this church is Jesus Christ. We're centered around Jesus and everything that he does. Um, we want you to see how the gospel will transform your life. The gospel will transform your life if you will come to him, submit to him, and watch what he will do. Um, then we said that what's important to God is important to us. You are important to God. Your soul. Uh, when you come in here, we try to learn your names. Uh, we've never been a church that's focused on, on a program. I think we do a pretty good job up here. But that's not our focus. Our focus is on building relationships, building people, building families, because you matter to God. Um, you have a name, and your name is important to God, and we want to make sure that your name is written down in glory. That's what we're all about. That's why our church exists. Um, we, we love the next generation. Uh, we, are, we are a multi-generational church. I love it. We have people in, in our church that are in their 90s, all the way, all ages in between, all the way to newborns. And, uh, and the newborns are, are coming faster than we can keep up with these days. It's pretty, pretty incredible. We're going to have a baby dedication coming up here at the end of uh, October. If you'd like to be a part of that, go to the website, sign up. Um, God's just doing great things in our church, but we love the next generation. You come up here on Wednesday night, you'll see kids everywhere. Um, you know what, I, 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 I see our, our people going out. They're making a difference in our community. They're, they're impacting young people. We love the next generation. And, uh, and we want to thank God for you parents that are raising kids today. You know, the downstairs is filled. It's incredible. It, our, the downstairs is where our children's ministry is. And uh, it is full all the time. And I want to say thank you to you parents for bringing your kids and making that a faithful part of them growing in Christ. Let's thank God for the parents in our church. We've got an incredible group of parents in our church. For our, for our youth ministries on Wednesday nights over here, you go in the gym, you'll see kids everywhere. Uh, you know, we've got middle school and high school ministries that are meeting over there. And uh, Route 56, 5th and 6th graders, there's just kids everywhere. And God is, you know, why do we do that? Why do we sacrifice of our time to come up here on Wednesday night to do that? Because you are important to God. Because those kids are important to God. Because the, we love the next generation so much. And I'm so happy that I get to be a part of something that is going to outlive me. Do you see that? This church will outlive me. Why? Because, number one, Jesus said, I will build this church. And on the, gate, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So I'm thanking God right there. I'm giving my life right there. I don't have to say anything more. Number two, your kids are going to outlive me. They're going to outlive us. You know, one day, I was a little kid in this church. I was a seven-year-old little kid, came to God because somebody cared. Somebody came to my house and said, come to church, I'll give you a donut. Man, those donuts are killing me. You know what I mean? It's like I just kept coming. And somebody kept carrying, and people knew my name. I wasn't a number here. I wasn't part of a massive crowd. There was always a lot of people. 
But I was known for my name. People cared about me. People helped me through the ups and the downs of life. And so I just kept coming back for more. I kept coming back for more. Next, you know, hard day, I come back in. I just kept coming back. Why? Because I found there was love here. I found that this was a place where my life was being transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. So somebody went out after me as a seven-year-old kid, and now I'm the pastor. One of these days, look downstairs. Who's the next pastor of our church down there? I don't know if I'm going to make it to 75, though, right? So you know, it's like, you know, you just look down there and you, you see, like, think about it. Who's the seven-year-old little boy down there that you're not thinking that God's going to use? And listen, God is going to do it. He, that's what he does. And there's, going to be, there's missionaries downstairs. There's all kind of Christian workers, people that are going to go out and be engineers and doctors and lawyers, and they're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. And we get to impact them and influence them right now at 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 15, 18, 20 years old. That's what God has given us. We love the next generation. Today we're looking at this, radical generosity. This is, one of our, this is a big part of our DNA at this church, is radical generosity. When I say radical generosity, a lot of things are going off in your head right now. Oh, I didn't think this church was radical, <laughs> okay? You, you didn't come, you're kind of happy to be here because we're not radical, okay? And generosity, he's talking about money. So on the count of three, I want to let you know that this is, this is, we're not truly radical up here, okay? And I'm not going to kill you about money today. So on the count of three, take a deep breath. You ready? One, two, three. <sighs> you guys are good at that. Good at that, okay? Listen, generosity is not about money. It's about your heart. And that's where we want to go because in, 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 as I've grown up here in this church, I have watched generosity. I've watched a church that is radically generous, and they have never been about money. This church is not about money. Jesus, as you look at him, he's offered us a free gift of salvation. It's not about money. But I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a big thing that happens. I get transformed when I become a generous person. And so this morning, we're going to look at, at a number of scriptures here. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. This is so powerful. Um, I, you know, I've memorized verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Uh, you know, I've used that verse for every big decision in my life. I, I, I understand. When I lean on my own understanding, that's when the problems come. I have a degree of wisdom but it is flawed wisdom. I need the wisdom of God. And so I have to come to God and I have to ask God to change my life. Uh, God, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I pulled that verse out whenever I was getting ready to get married. I'll never forget. You know, whenever you're, whenever you're going to date, um, you know what? There's, there's, there's all kind of candidates, right? It's like as a young man, there's probably 50 people I could have married, right? And you're like, yeah, right. Um, you know what? There was a big decision. I had to choose one. And I narrowed it down. <laughs> narrowed it down. Like they were all taking resumes, right? <laughs> I, uh, I, I came before God and I said, God, now listen, I'm telling you, whenever my wife, and I, you know, when I, it was a big deal just to say, I love you, love, yeah, alone, will you marry me, you know? And whenever I came to that point, I went to God first. I said, God, I know what I'm thinking because I really like this. This is wonderful. I see a great future. I see a beautiful woman. I see a godly woman. I see all these great things. But God, if this ain't what you want, you've got to, like, talk to me. And I was scared. And I went before God, and in his wisdom, he directed my path. Twenty-six years later, we're still in love. Man, we're, we're, we're just not married. We're in love, baby. We're in love. 
okay? Now, I didn't say we never had an argument just because I don't fight. No, I'm just kidding, right? So, uh, I didn't say we never had disagreement. We, we've had ups and downs and all arounds. But I'll tell you one thing. I was able to go before God. And you know what? I still have to do it with every decision. We went to buy this house that we live in 25 years ago. And, uh, and I went before God. I said, God, I need your wisdom. In my eyes, this looks good. My wife's eyes weren't on the same page yet. <laughs> I went to God. God, give me your wisdom. And, and God put us all together. And, and, we, and we move forward. And, and so do you see this powerful principle that God gives us, that we get to acknowledge him? Now you're saying, what's that have to do with generosity? This blew my mind. It's, it's something how we take a verse and we, we take it out of a chapter and we like really park there. And listen, that's a direct application of that verse. And I use it in all areas of my life. Now let me read the next verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Man, that's powerful. Like I have to run from evil. It, it's so evil. Uh, it's so easy. Evil can creep in. I have to run from evil. Uh, for when you do it, will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. What? Wait a minute. He just said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And now he's saying, honor the Lord with your wealth. And I realize the Proverbs have a little bit of this. They kind of jump around a little bit back and forth. But I want you to catch this because these are just a few verses apart from each other. Like, do you see the wisdom principle here? Like, trust the Lord. So when he says to honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops, that was that they were in an agricultural society. And so he says, that the, and he said to bring and give him the top, give him the first fruits. You know why he says to give him the first fruits? Because there's never any last fruits. Did you ever notice that? At the end of your paycheck, is there anything left over? Typically not, right? It's like I'm pretty good at spending. Uh, I, I know how to do that really well. I, and it's like, you know what? If I don't give God the top, if I'm not generous to God first, I typically forget it. And that, that's, the, that's the easiest place to go, that we would forget God. And he says, don't forget me. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then the very next verse, check this out. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats with, uh, with, will brim over with new wine. Now, that's so powerful because God says, listen, if you will honor me, remember who takes care of you. I'm the provider. God is your provider. Your boss is not your provider. Your job may hand you a check, but God is your provider. God has blessed your company. God blesses you to work. He's given you the ability to go and, and earn and work and do whatever it is. And so as you go to work, everything that he's given to you belongs to him. Like I've heard people say that the tithe belongs to God. That's true, but everything that you have belongs to God. Like the 100% of it belongs to God. So as we come before the Lord, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your crops, and then he fills my barns. Now, this is not a get-rich-quick principle. If you go and you hear people talk about getting rich and, and all this type of stuff, God does not say, if you will honor me, that you'll be rich. I have been giving to the Lord for 40 years, 40-plus 40 years. I am not a millionaire. I'm not getting rich. And that is not the principle. The principle, God says, he will fill your barns. I want you to check this. You'll never be without the need that God, God meets your needs. You'll never be without. I've never missed a meal. Ever. 
Hard to believe. I, uh, my heart is filled. You want to talk about a barn that's full? My heart is full. Like, I've, I've been in this trust relationship with God. And, and it's grown. It's not like, you know, you just don't, you know, we're, every day is sweeter with Jesus. Each day gets sweeter as the days go by. You get closer and you trust Him more. And I can tell you right now, from when I was a little kid coming to this church at seven years old and eating that little first donut, and when I kept coming and somebody was loving me, to where I'm at today in my life, I'm telling you, I'm, I just love this trust. It's like this this awesomeness with God that I know that no matter what's going on around me and things are broken all over the place, God is with me. And my heart is so full. My, there, joy, let me tell you, you cannot put a price tag on joy. I cannot. You can have all the things that the world has, but joy is what God gives to us. And this is what He gives to us as we honor Him. We get to choose joy. And so it's not, you know, generosity has never been about money. It really is not. Um, although that's a tangible expression, it's about our heart. The Apostle Paul had written to the church in Corinthians, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Notice what he says to the church here. He says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, um, he says, I want you uh, in complete earnestness and in love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He says, I want you to see that you excel. The, the, the word for excel there means to go over and above and beyond all measure. Like, that's a big deal. He says, says, I know that you're doing really well in your faith. See, he says, just as you excel in faith, you, you're doing really well in faith. Your speech, you, you talk, you, you're growing in Christ, and it's evident by the way you're living. He says, in knowledge, you, you know what the Bible says. He says, in, in complete earnestness and, and in your love for us, how that you care for us, your, 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 your passion for the gospel. See that you also, the sixth thing, he gives you five. He says, now number six, excel. Go over and above and beyond in the grace of giving. And notice he says there, the grace of giving. It's not a law. Isn't that powerful? It's not a law. It's not the law of giving. It's the grace of giving. And I love this because Jesus was the one who gave us grace. He gave us the greatest gift of generosity. When Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross, He paid for our sin once for all forever. And He offers to you, He offers to me eternal life if I'll just receive it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. God gives it to you. So when we're talking about generosity, giving to God doesn't earn you salvation. But I'll tell you what, it's a step of spiritual growth. Like when I let go, when I realize that this is no longer about me, God has given me 100%. Now I begin to let go and I can be generous in my life because God has been generous to me. First and foremost, God has been generous to me. I've trusted him as my savior. Ephesians 3.20, check this out. The apostle says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, be honor and glory and praise forever. He says, listen, when you come to God in prayer, 
and you have a request and you're asking God, you're like, you're thinking like, God, could you just help me with this job? God, could you just help me with my kids? God, could you help me in the church? And, and you start laying these prayers and they're big before God. God says, the Apostle Paul says here, now to him who is able to do more immeasurably than you can even imagine. Like you ask God for everything and God says, I can do more than what you're asking. The big question I, I ask myself is, why don't I ask? You know what I mean? It's like, if God can do more than what I ask, why don't I at least ask for what I can imagine? Like, God, somehow I'm going to like live this life and be in my own power and all my own strength. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to come and be utterly dependent upon me. I died on the cross for you. I've done everything for you. And come to me because when you ask, I already know your need. And when you ask, I have the ability to do way more than you could even possibly imagine in that situation. So you're asking God to do something in your life, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to come before you, and I'm just going to ask you for this. And you're like, oh, God, please, 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 got to get that job, got to get that job. And in the meantime, God's saying, listen, I can do way more than that little thing. I created the heavens and the earth. I hold the solar system in place. I know how many millions and millions of stars are out there. And I have a name for each one of them. And I keep all the, all the system in place. And this is all at my command. And you're coming to me. So when you ask, ask and know that he goes and he excels. He's able to do immeasurably more than what we could ask or think. And I want to take you to that God this morning. Because when you're coming to that kind of God... It changes how I'm generous with other people. My generosity changes. See, because I have been loved and I have been forgiven, now I can be generous with other people. I can be, I can be loving. I can be forgiving. I can give those things. You know, you can't put a price. Those are things that don't cost. As a matter of fact, sometimes you wish you could buy that, right? God says we get to give that away. We get to give all this because He first loved us. He loved us, therefore we love other people. And so we get to come before God. He is the one who can do immeasurably more than what we could ask or think. And so this morning, I want, I want to give you a growth mindset. Like, like how to grow. This is, if you're here and uh, in, in you've been growing in Jesus Christ, this is for you today. This, I want you to pay attention because this is how we mature. You know, um, when we were younger, when you're, when you're little, there's things that are really challenging and really hard. And then when you become like a teenager, um, it just gets a little bit easier. And then when you become an adult, it gets real easy. And then when you get old, I guess everything's easy. And then pretty soon everything becomes hard again, right? <laughs> but listen, when you're little, when you grow, and so this is maturity, so I'm, I'm talking about maturing as a, as a believer this morning. Um, let's have this growth mindset in our Christian life. And so I'm going to give you four levels of generosity, okay? The first level is this, give spontaneously. Um, that's whenever you may see a need, you may hear a need, and you give spontaneously. Like um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Josh was here, and he, he shared about his church plant up in 
Newcastle, Pennsylvania, which, by the way, they have started meeting. They've gone in. He didn't even have a place to meet when he was here. He had, he had like 30 people up here on his team. They went in, and he, he, I had him down here a few, few days ago, and he was sharing with me what's going on. They went into this, to this uh, uh, neighborhood community room, and they, they got to use this room for free. It doesn't even have a bathroom. They can't use the bathroom. It's like locked up. And they're meeting there. And they had 81 people in their meeting. Can we thank God for that? When he was here, many of you gave spontaneously. On Saturday night, we didn't have anybody to receive an offering for him. And a couple people came to me and said, Why didn't you have an offering for Josh? We want to take care of him. I said, Because I forgot. And they said, Don't you forget tomorrow. I said, yes, ma'am. You know why? Because God was spontaneously talking to people. God was talking to them. And I, and I said, well, there's always the offering box on the wall. Just put it right in there. And they did. Do you know that weekend, the church at large, without, there was, nobody knew he was coming. No, I didn't prepare anybody. You saw a need and spontaneously gave $2,300 to Josh in that church, that new city church. Can we thank God for that this morning? That was your, you as a church. I, I, I want I want to pray yet. I, I, I want to encourage that. You know what? We, we need to talk about what is really happening in our church, and that's what's really happening. There's, this is a radically generous church. Radically generous. And, and when I see that, I see when Scott Phillips comes, your hearts are tugged, and we, we give spontaneous. So that's, a, that's kind of an isolated thing. And this is what was happening. Look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to give you the backstory to verse 7 that we just read. Um, the, the Macedonian church was taking part in giving to the church of Jerusalem because there was great need in Jerusalem. Now, it's very interesting. It says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Oh, look at that word, grace. Giving and grace. Giving and grace. It's not law. It's not a threat. It's a promise. God wants us to give, and when you give, he takes care. That's what he does, right? I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Did you catch that? The Macedonian church was in poverty. They had trials and they had poverty. And he says, out of that, they welled up in generosity. Like, they gave. Whoa. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with his will, with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he has earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. He's saying, listen, we're telling Titus, encouraging him to tell you guys to continue to give. Like, let's keep going. Let's finish what God started here. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. You see what happened? The Macedonian church was led by the Spirit of God. They saw a need, 
And they were meeting it. So, so the, the church over in Macedonia in this outer area that was new, it was like the church had started in Jerusalem and they went out here and they were into Macedonia. It was like going far away. They brought these people to Christ and these people now saw that, the, that, the, that over in Jerusalem, they were going through oppression. They were going through hard times. So they took and they sent over to help the church in Jerusalem. Folks, in our church, we give every year to this birthday gift to Jesus. It's a, it, it, that's what we do. We're, we're seeing needs around the world. We can't meet every need, but we can meet some. Amen? We can meet some. And so we, we, uh, we, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember coming to this church and hearing a goal of 15000 and $25,000 that they would give to missions. And, uh, and then, you know, as we kept growing and every year we just kind of added a little bit more, added a little bit more. Last year we set a goal of $85,000 and God brought in well over $100,000. Can we thank the good, our good Lord this morning? You know what? That was you guys. You excel in the grace of giving. Like, like we as a church, we, we go above and beyond. Like, 85,000 is like incredible. I share that with some pastor friends of mine. And they're like, how did you do it? I said, I don't have a clue. They're like, well, how did you? I said, look, we just present the needs. And we ask the people to pray. And God responded. God tugged on the hearts of the people. And they responded and they gave. And, 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 you know, it's just amazing. That's what God does. And in our church, I've watched a culture of people that give. People here are giving. This is, this is what makes us unique here. We are generous with our time, with our talents, and with our treasures. We give it all. God gave it all to us, so we give it all. Um, I see people that come up here and they serve, they serve, they serve. They give of their time. They, they care. They pray. They're, they're talking to people. They're, they're giving of their time. Uh, we have men who come up on Wednesday uh, morning, and on, every Wednesday there's a group of men. These Not only do they give their time, they give their talent. Some of them are electricians. Some of them are carpenters. And, and they come and they, they work, and they, they just do it for the glory of God. Uh, they don't even want you to know about it. Ken Myers was here last night. He's 84 years old. Ken Myers, come up. He was, uh, he's a master carpenter. And, and, and you watch this man faithfully serve. And he, he tells me all the time, are people coming to Jesus? I said, yes, Ken, people are coming to Jesus. He goes, okay, what else needs to be done around here? Wow. 84 years old? At 84, I hope to be alive. Yet alone, carpentry. Listen, that man's serving Jesus. You know what? He's generous. He's giving of his time. He's giving of his talent. And he gives of his treasure. This man is giving his life to Jesus. You see, it's not like I just give one or the other. This is what God's called us to do. We give. God has given us all the time. We all have the same amount of time. So we all get to give our time to God. We all have talents. God has given each one of you a talent. Some special thing that you can do. 
And we're going to help you. We're going to go down a journey of this to help you find that. Like, how can you use that talent in the church? And, and how can you use that in the community? Because there's, this, we're scratching the surface. We're, we're, we're talking like a big vision that God is laying on our heart to reach not just a city, but a globe for Jesus Christ. And God can do it through you and through me. He takes our time. We give our time to Him. He receives our talents. He gave our talents. He gave us our talents and our treasures. And when you think about treasure, I want you to remember this morning the early church. Pastor Luke shared this verse last week, Acts 2.45. Acts 2.45 says that they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now, I'm going to give you the Ken Barner translation. They had a garage sale. They took and they sold the things their possessions, and they helped each other. They saw that there was needs, and they helped each other. I watched this happen in our church. There are people that, uh, that give of themselves. There are people that uh, surrender their time to help other people. I've seen it. I've seen people go and work on each other's houses. I've seen people that found out that there was a need on a house, and they, went and they just made it happen. They just showed up. It's like quiet. Find out after the fact. They just did it. And, and, it's, it's, and it wasn't because the pastor said anything. I found out afterwards. And there's so much more than I even know is happening. It's just like the, the, there's this generosity engine that's cranking out there. And it's why? Because when you are in love with Jesus and you are a growing believer and you see a need, you're compelled. It's like you're, you're compelled. And so when we give, we should never give out of coercion. The, the, the scripture says here that they did not give out of coercion, that they gave out of, out of their, their own will. And so when I see people doing that, I see people all over a church that will do that. They, they will give out of, as God tugs on their heart and say, okay, God, I want to I do this because I feel that the Spirit of God has talked to me. So we give spontaneously. The next thing that we do is we give consistently. We give consistently, and I, I want to encourage you to be a consistent giver. Twenty-six years ago, my wife and I were married, and 26 years ago we made a decision that we would tithe, and that we would give regularly to the work of God. I'm here every week. I've been on staff at this church since 1990, and, uh, and we give every month to the Lord's work. And we sat and we took up the historical standard in the Bible, this tithing, 10%. And we said, this is what we're going to do. And, and as, we did, as we have done that, I tell you that I have not been for one moment uh, without. I have never said, boy, I wish that I wouldn't have given. Now, sometimes I, my wife and I will say, wow. Do you realize what we could do with that if we didn't give that? Like, you know, sometimes, you know, we could do this to the house or we could go there. And then I just remember, okay, wait, 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 wait. God says, honor me with your wealth. Give him the first. Honor him. Nobody would know. Listen, God knows. God knows. It's so powerful. And when I give to God, nobody else needs to know. That's why your giving here is between you and God. Amen? It's between you and the Lord. And as you give, you give to the name of the Almighty, the one who gave you breath. And as I give to him, that has been our, our consistency. It's automatic. We give online. It's just, we, we, you know, when it comes in, 
we give. And, and I want to encourage you to do the same, to become a consistent giver. You know, when you, when you develop habits, you know, Scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. And, and I'll say this, that uh, cheerful giving sometimes isn't cheerful at first. Sometimes, you know, it's like a new habit. Do you remember whenever you were a little kid, I should say? Um, have, let me rephrase it like this. Have you ever seen the little kids come up from downstairs and they have candy? Your kids? How many of your kids come up from downstairs and they have candy from time to time, right? A few of you, all right? Sometimes our kids will come up and they'll have a piece of chocolate or a lollipop, and they'll come up and they'll say, Pastor Ken, look what I got. And I'll say, could I have a bite? And they'll go, no. <laughs> Why? Because when you're four and five years old, you don't share. Well, why don't you? They should share, right? No, listen. Every four, I, I have done this historically for years here. If a kid comes up to me and they love to show me their candy, I don't know what I am a magnet for kids with candy. You know what I mean? It's just like, why do they come to me and show me their Pastor Ken, look what I got today. Can I have a bite? No! That same kid will come back a few years later and I'll see him with a piece of candy. They're now eight or ten years old and I'll say, can I have one of those? And they'll look at me like, really? I guess. If you really want it. And I had a kid hand me that one time. And I was like, God, forgive me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah? And I handed it right back to him. I go up to a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old. It's like, no problem. You see what that is? That's maturity. And as I mature in my faith, I give. And I may not be cheerful at first, but I want to tell you, don't not give because you're not cheerful about it yet. Don't give out of coercion, but give. And I'll tell you what, the more you give, the more you enjoy what you have. The more you give, the, the, more, the, the more that you understand this trust relationship. You understand, lean not on to your own understanding. Because in my eyes, I earned all this and I ought to keep all this. And I ought to be able to invest it. I ought to be able to do all this. And I ought to, listen, in God's eyes, I gave you everything. You didn't earn any of that. I gave it to you. Honor me first. And so as we come and we honor the Lord first, it, this is, see, this is the heart. And this is what happened around this church when I was growing up. I saw this DNA of, of people that gave consistently, people that were spontaneous. And, then, you know, and when I became a consistent giver, it was like, man, you know, sometimes I don't even think about it. Because it's the priorities that we have set. Uh, level three is to give proportionately. Give proportionately. Uh, now, now you start going from being regular to proportion. Look, look what he says here, 2 Corinthians 8.11, moving in the same passage there. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. And the scripture has always talked about giving in proportion. Jesus had, uh, was sitting in the temple one day and he was watching in Luke chapter 21. He was watching the people tithe. 
And what they did in those days, they would have like these big, big containers, like a big horn, if you will. And they would come and people would drop their money into there. They would drop their tithe. And you'd hear this ding, 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 ding. You come over and, you know, somebody, somebody put a whole handful of change in. Ding, 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 ding. And the rich people, they would stand there. And look what Jesus says. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. So what they would do is they would stand there. Maybe a rich person would stand there and he'd stand there for 15 minutes. Ding, 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 ding. You'd come by, you'd place your gift, and you'd turn around. Wow, that guy's still there. And it would be a very self-righteous act. And they'd be showing how much that they gave. And ding, 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 ding. And Jesus is watching this. And he sees in verse 2. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. Here's the picture. Look what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, as poor as she has, has given everything that she has. There's two little coins. They're known as a leptin. Each one of them had the value of six minutes of a day's wage. Six minutes. She gave the equivalent of 12 minutes wage. And Jesus said her heart was in the right spot. That's the heart that God's calling us to have. Generosity is not an amount, folks. It's the proportion I'm trusting. Leaning not on my own understanding. I'm trusting God. Like, God, this was you. So, God, I'm going to be generous. And you know what happens when we do that? We are transformed. God takes and transforms me from the inside out. And as I'm transformed from the inside out, it's like, ding, ding. And I want to encourage you today. To, uh, to, to be like that widow in that story. To, to just trust God with even the smallest amount. God was never, the church has never been about money and it will never be about money. However, growing a relationship with God, it's a very tangible place. And our possessions and our generosity is a very tangible place that you can look at your spiritual growth. And you you can say, okay, I am trusting God. And it's not about an amount. It's about growing in the grace of giving. And we begin to think in terms of that. Uh, the, the Bible talks historically about this word called tithing. Tithing is giving 10% to God. And I've heard people say, well, you know, tithing is, is uh, it, it, that was part of the law. We're no longer under the law. I'd like to share with you this morning that tithing predated the law. Before the Ten Commandments and before all the laws, it predated it. If you go to Genesis 14 and you read about an interaction that uh, Abraham had uh, with with the high priest Melchizedek, and scholars believe that that was actually a uh, a a 
appearance of Jesus Christ. Like it was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And what happened was this Melchizedek, he, he, he gives a blessing to Abraham. And then he, has, he gives him bread and wine. Very interesting. You see the foreshadow of, commun- of communion there? Isn't that wild? Like all the way back there, there's that, the first communion there, right? And then, then you see his name means king of righteousness. And, and you, see, you see this Abraham, he responds. What does Abraham do? Abraham goes back and he gives 10% to God before the law was ever given. And so as we give today, I want to encourage you to continue and set that to be your goal. Look here at Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. As far as I understand, this is the only place in the Bible he says, put me to the test. Like, try it. Like, see, he says, give the tithe to the Lord. Give it to God. Let go. You see, if I don't let go, I don't grow. When I let go, that's where I begin to grow because it's a position of trust. Quite often people ask me, should I give off of the top of my income before taxes or after taxes? And here's my response. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Should I do it before or after? I said, that's between you and God. There's no standard of that. That's you and Jesus talking. And you, I want you to be led by the Spirit of God. And you give to God. And, and listen, I, I, I've never, ever told anybody uh, anything more than that. You cannot outgive God. And, and, and you know what? Sometimes my, in our family, we'll have this discussion. Well, how much should I do for this? I really feel compelled to help with this. You can't outgive God. But, but what about all this and all that? Listen, you cannot outgive God. I just know if God's talking to you, you've got to respond. You've got to follow him. God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. Did you catch that? God can take ni- my 90. He can do more with that than I can with all of it. He's the provider. And so when I come to him, do you see the spiritual growth now? This is trust. It's like, man... Can I have a bite of your candy? Really? Really? And one day you'll say, yeah. Do you want a second bite? And that's what God does. Generosity grows. The grace of giving grows. And so I want to encourage you. Um, Sean Sriplo is over here this morning. Give him a, give him a hand. He's a, he's a great server in the church. Sean, stand up. Stand up. Okay? All right. Sean is a physically fit person. When you say, give him a hand for that. He's, he's a good-looking young man there, right? Good-looking young man, right? You can be seated, right? Physically fit person. Last year at the Pittsburgh Marathon, Sean Sriplo went out and ran the marathon without training. I didn't say mentally fit. I said physically fit, right? All right, so physically fit, right? So, Sean. Was that a wise thing to go run a marathon without training? Why? Although you did come in like 
7,000 or something like that. You did make it. What was it like going to work on Monday? Uh, Pain. I saw him the rest of the week. He was like this. I think he was at a permanent squat for a month, okay? Listen, when you go to a marathon, you train. I read somewhere it takes like you should train 72 runs before you hit the marathon. I can do a 5K without training. And I squat for a week. No, I'm okay. I can do a 5K without training. But you can't do a marathon. And I want to encourage you with tithing, with generosity. Start to train. Start with 1%. Start with spontaneous. Start to give it to him and be consistent. And you know what? God will talk to you. And I've never met anybody who says, I gave to the Lord and wish I hadn't. Never. I've never met anybody who says, man, you know what? We gave. I'm so mad. I wish we would never have given that to the Lord. Their hearts are full. Because when we honor him, he's the one who fills us. And I just want to encourage you with that. And I got six more sermons up here. And you ain't getting them all. But I want to give you this. Give radically. Radical giving. When we give radically, man, it's so powerful. Um, listen, God's going to prompt you to do things. He's not going to prompt me. I want you to go by God's prompting. There was a guy by the name of J.C. Penney. You ever heard of J.C. Penney? Anybody ever brought anything at J.C. Penney's, right? Um, he lived till he was about 95 years old. At one point, J.C. Penney had 1,600 department stores. They were worth at one point $18 billion. Now, you've got to love this. The C in J.C. Penney stood for cash. John Cash Penney. My dad, why didn't he give me a name like that, you know? I got Ken Dad Barner. You know, he had John Cash Penny. John Cash Penny. Now, check this out. By the end of his life, he practiced reverse tithing. He lived off of 10% and gave 90% to God. And you say, how does a man do that? Even, listen, it's hard to do that, even with those kind of figures. Now, let me tell you what God did in his life. He started slow. And he didn't go from... 1% to 90%. God worked in his life. And he just kept training. And he kept training. And he kept training. And God did that. And you say, well, the 10% that he would live on would be more than you'll ever live on, on your 90. That's probably true. But let me tell you, it's still hard to let it go. And God did that in that man's life. Tithing is the training wheels of giving. Randy Alcorn said that in a book called the, uh, the Treasure Principle. Tithing is the training wheels of giving. You know what? The tithe is not meant to be our total giving. Like uh, the, the fellow that was here on Father's Day, he shared that like giving, and, and he gave, and he said he was really convicted that he needs to be more generous outside of just giving to his tithe. And so it's like, wow, we set that as, a, as our training wheels. And then, look, from there, God's going to prompt your heart. You're going to see a homeless person is going to need some help. You're going to see a need somewhere else. You're going to be out in the community. You're going to be meeting people's needs. You're, maybe God's going to do some, something in your heart. You're going, to, you're going to get excited about one of these missionaries. You know, I was talking with uh, Tracy Mulhorn. Her, 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 she has an aunt that's a missionary in Haiti. They, 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 like, talked to me about, hey, we'd like to build another orphanage. Like, 
Wouldn't that be really cool? Like God start doing stuff like that. And it's like, you know, we just start, we just lay that at the feet of Jesus. But we're going to start here. And we start here. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. The church is not about money. Jesus was never about money. He was not trying to build a revenue. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money. He needs your heart. And generosity is about my heart becoming in tune with God. And I start small. And I want to encourage you to be spontaneous givers, to be consistent givers, to give proportionately, and to give radically. But it's a growth plan. And I want you to look at your heart, and I want you to go home today, and I want you to have that growth plan in your heart. And just ask God, what is he talking to you about? And maybe it's just 1%. Maybe it's not even 1%. It's just to start with some spontaneous giving. Where is God talking to you about? I have no agenda. This is about a principle from God's Word, and it's all over His Word. When we let go, we grow. And I want to encourage you today to lay it all at the foot of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today to open your heart. Just call on Him and pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I come before you. And I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And God, I want to invite you into my heart right here, right now. I receive your free gift of eternal life, God. I'm trusting you with my heart. For there's no better place I can leave it than in your hands. Father God, be with each person in this room. No doubt. Several prayed to receive you today. We applaud them. We rejoice with them. There's more joy in heaven over that than anything else that we can do. Than any of our generosity. There's more joy over somebody who comes to you than anything else that we can do. But God, we do come to you and we realize that our heart, we hold on so dearly to this life to our possessions, to our time, to our talents. And we want to, we want to keep it all for ourselves, Lord, but we realize that you have given us the opportunity to bless this world with the grace of God Almighty. Lord, may you go out and use everyone in our congregation as they bless people. Some will go to a, a lunch today and, and bless with a tip like they've never blessed before. Others will bless spontaneously to a missionary or to a need that they see in the community. God, maybe it's to somebody in their family. They'll be stepping up and they'll be helping people where you have placed them to dispense your grace. God, we love you. Thank you for the privilege it is to be dispensers of the grace of God Almighty. In your name we pray. Amen. You stand together with me. Let's greet everyone. We're glad that you're here. And be graceful for our child care and get them quickly, all right? God bless you. You are dismissed.